Hey everyone, this is Jennifer. And this is Paige. And this is Big Book Energy. Cool. So, yeah, uh, coronavirus. Coronavirus. Is a thing that's happening. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I went to the movie theater yesterday. <laughs> um, was questioning that choice. Uh, but I did it anyway so that I could go see the new Emma that came out. How was it? was really good everyone keeps saying that i think i need to go it was really good it was first of all hilarious okay which it should be it's supposed to be funny yeah right um yeah it was hilarious uh it was it was really good i loved it i loved it that might that might be my favorite emma adaptation hmm it's definitely in contention. I'm trying to think of the other Emma. There's the one with Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow, right? Yeah. And then... I... That's the only... I can't remember if I've seen the others, because I'm sure that, like, BBC slash PBS has, like, done them oh, definitely. before. Definitely. Um, I, I think I've seen at least one other than the Gwyneth Paltrow. Um... But yeah, this one was, I think it was better than the Gwyneth Paltrow. Not that the Gwyneth Paltrow one was bad, because I also right. heartily enjoy that one, too. Um, plus, it has Ewan McGregor in it, um, who I still love, even though he's terrible and I hate him <laughs> for leaving his wife <laughs> of 20 years. Uh, uh, yeah. So, I gotta say, I went to go see Birds of Prey and didn't hate it as much as you did. I I didn't hate it or the the Ewan McGregor portion of the the film I didn't hate oh, that as much okay. as okay yeah I I just didn't think he was a very convincing villain fair enough yeah I was kind of um, Huntress is probably one of my new favorites now out of that movie mm. <laughs> it's so funny yeah no she's she was hilarious she's great yeah because she clearly like didn't know how to be like a person you know. <laughs> Her socializing yes. was just like socializing not was fantastic. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it so much. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna apologize Sammy if you can hear me eating gummy worms. Sure. Maybe it's just some added ASMR for our listeners. There you go. <laughs> me eating gummy worms. <laughs> just it's quieter than Cheetos though. We'll just uh, do a rotating schedule of what snacks you eat on the show. Yeah. I'm super excited to have gummy worms today. And Raz Cranberry LaCroix. So it's like fruity with fruity. It's a combination. Alright. I'm just drinking coffee and water. Per usual. Yeah. I had coffee earlier today. Me too. But we just stocked up on our LaCroix. Mm. Did we buy real water in case we have to stay inside? for days even though there's water coming out of the tap so honestly i'm actually not sure why people are buying yeah I was gonna water say, like um i don't think that us being able to drink water out of the tap is going to change <laughs> over the course of I this crisis i don't foresee that being one of the things that shuts down in the near future no no and but this purchase of germex that i made when i was in disney world a couple weeks ago <laughs> is proving to be a great purchase some foresight there. Definitely worth the 
this says this has a sticker that says 179 on it i'm pretty sure i didn't pay 179 for it i well, feel like it was more maybe it wasn't if i don't you bought know. it in a theme park i wouldn't be surprised if it was more it was like five dollars yeah, or something um but maybe it was because i think my purchase was like fifteen dollars and i was buying like one of the little disney pins i don't know anyway so but this should last me like quite a while yeah yeah so it's exciting yeah, I took pictures of the uh, little mini um, antibacterial things they were handing out at work. Oh, yeah. Send yeah. a picture to my entire family. It's like, look, they're handing out gold at the library. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, though. Actually, though. Yeah. My sister's immediate response was sell it on the black market. I'm like, okay. I don't know that you're really going to make that much profit off of just one, but. I had two. Can earn like you know ten bucks maybe I don't know I mean more than I paid for it it's true that is a significant increase in profits there ten thousand <laughs> percent I was trying to do the math and I was like I'm not confident in my ability uh, oh I don't know I just threw out a number so that might be accurate yeah. I don't know I mean if you're going from zero, zero I don't I can't I don't, I, mean, I don't know I don't know um. I have a library degree, not a math degree. I'm sure I could figure that out if I actually tried, but I don't feel like trying, so. I need another cup of coffee before I start contemplating numbers. But, um, yeah, so, coronavirus, I went to the theater, hopefully didn't, um, pick up anything, and there was, like, there's a whole row of, like, elderly people in front of me in the theater, like, the row of seats ahead of me, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually mostly old people in this movie, which kind of was, like, weird. I don't know. I was, like, confused about why they were all, like, excited to see Emma, because it was clearly, like, there was, like, one whole big group of, like, older people. Yeah. Um, and so we're sitting there in the previews, and one person in the very front, the row that was ahead of um, my row of seats, coughed one time, one time. And this other old lady in my row was like, you should be at home. (laughs) And I was like, excuse you? People can cough for a lot of different reasons. Go home. Oh my God. crazy. Like... I wanted to say something so bad because I was like, this old lady needs to be put in her place about, like, policing people's social habits at this moment in time. Um, yeah, because you you can cough for a lot of different reasons. Right. It's- you can have asthma. You can have allergies. You could have a regular cold that you're getting over. Yeah, it's springtime in Tallahassee. There is pollen everywhere Everywhere. my car is covered in it right yeah and you know there's just a variety of things like that could be going on and like a one cough is not going to be enough for me to like yell at a stranger to go home no people have lost their damn minds over this they really have and like i understand but like in the wrong ways yeah right like there's obviously like reason to be concerned and there's various things that you should absolutely be doing which is probably not going to a movie theater at this point um it's also not hoarding toilet paper or recording a podcast together question mark 
Um, I mean, we were both just at Podfest in Orlando. Yeah, and then we the week were. before that, I was. Although in Orange again. County still doesn't have any cases confirmed, uh, confirmed yet. Confirmed. Yeah, there's definitely someone in Orange County. I'm sure. Has. I'm sure there is. Um, but. Yeah, you were in Washington. I was in Orlando two yeah. weeks in a row. One of which I was at a theme park. Yeah, I like, was also at a theme park. You were the also next at a theme weekend. Park. Yeah, and now Disney's closed. <laughs> Universal is closing tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, it's end times. We probably already have Corona. We probably do. I I feel like someone in our department probably already has it. Probably. Maybe. It's hard we'll to tell, see. though, because we all are sick. Yeah. Overall, like, a pretty sickly <laughs> bunch. I'm not going to lie. Um, We're a mess. Yeah. So, but, you know, like, social distancing is a thing. I actually came across a really good article on Twitter um, this morning that, yeah, I'm going to post that in the show notes that you can read about social distancing. It was really good. But yeah, mainly, like, you should be doing those things to help other people. Yeah. Not really even for yourself. I mean, obviously, if you are, like, at risk or at larger risk, um, you should be doing it for yourself, too. But, like, people that, you know, probably don't have anything to worry about, like, you should still do certain things for Right, not going to go around and, like, cough on people's stuff. But, like, also, perhaps don't panic. Don't buy all the toilet paper. I don't understand. I also saw another thing on Twitter and I didn't save it. So I don't know if I'll be able to find it. But someone like did the math on like how many times people would have to use the bathroom every day to use up (laughs) the toilet paper that they're buying. And it was like 168 times a day. Do not leave the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, so, I mean, if you're going to the bathroom 168 times a day, you should probably just go to the hospital. Yeah, seek Um, immediate medical attention. But, uh, yeah, you don't need to be buying up all the toilet paper, because then people that need toilet paper can't get toilet paper. I don't know. This has been said a million times over, but still, I just don't understand it at all. No, no. I mean... As long as you get, like, the basics to survive two weeks in your house. Books, food, cat litter. Cat litter's a must for you, yeah. Yeah. Two weeks in this house with those three cats. No. First thing I went and bought was cat litter. Uh. Yeah, and then alcohol, and you should be good. Hmm. I did stock up on some quality rosé. Nice. I still have because it is rose season, people. Entire bottle of vodka left over from oh yeah, Smirnoff. yeah. You'll be working with that for a while. Yeah, on top of the three bottles of whiskey and like six bottles of rum, I still have in my liquor cabinet. I don't even drink that much. Why do I have so much alcohol? Well, you know, you buy one bottle for one event or one thing, That's and then true. like you have two drinks worth, and then you know you have an entire bottle. You have an entire <laughs> bottle left. Yeah. The three whiskey bottles are from my foray into whiskey. Smirnoff obviously had a purpose. I have like a handle in vodka that I got like 10 years ago. Not vodka. Rum. It's like Bacardi. Hmm. Still in my pantry from 2012 when the Mayan end of the world thing was coming and I bought it for that party. Yeah. Didn't get all the way through it, obviously. 
It's been it's been eight years. Yeah, now. I wonder if it's still <laughs> any good. I mean, it's liquor, so and yeah. We'll just get like stronger. I don't know. Should Google that. Should Google I don't that, know. Yeah. I don't know what happens to what happens to an eight year old bottle of Bacardi. Yeah. So well, in with that in mind, we're probably gonna be demoing remote recording next True. week yeah we are so. probably gonna be demoing remote recording bbe will be doing their part to socially distance themselves yep. from each other anyway oh yeah that's okay introverts i've been training for this my whole life yeah pretty much I feel bad for my extroverted friends because I feel like this would be like... Oh, yeah, they're going to die. A huge issue. And I'm just like, stay at home for two to three weeks and just do my own thing. Sounds great. Oh, my God. Sounds like freaking paradise. I know, right? I was so excited. It was like, okay, well, you know, I have 30 unread books for various historical things on mm. my couch. Plus, you know, the six so books so many reading. unread books. Holy shit. So, clearly, I need to go to the library and get five more books, which is what I did. Yeah, I caught you doing that. Yeah, yeah. Not It's fine. I... my best move as far as uh, tidying up my house goes, but you know what? Fuck it. I have a deluge of Libby books that are about to come in. Oh, also coronavirus related. And we did post about this on Twitter, but I'm going to talk about it again. Mm. Libby, an app you can get for your phone or your tablet, um, allows you to use your public library account to check out ebooks, audiobooks, other things like definitely check your public library's website to see what sort of online resources they support because you definitely can have access to tons of materials for free. Yeah, our county library is sending out emails with the yeah. exact app that they use as well. So even if it's not Libby, they'll probably be sending yeah. out information about what app you can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I guess if you're stuck inside for coronavirus. Check it out. Because there's, there's still going to be tons of stuff that you're going to have access to. Yeah. Um, that you don't have to pay for. That's Ooh. what's so great about public libraries, people. Um, although sometimes you have to wait. And sometimes you have to wait a long time. But I found that that matters less to me the more that I've used the app. Usually just because I have so, so much other material to read. Like if I can't read you know the latest hottest book right Right. away it just doesn't matter to me because i'm already so behind so like who cares but yeah so check out libby check out your public library and whatever other apps that they may suggest um there is absolutely zero reason why you should have to be bored while you're staying inside yeah and self-isolating yeah not just books but sometimes movies as well so you get tired of netflix check out the library i can't imagine getting tired of netflix plus Uh, there's so many different options my sister had already gotten through her netflix to watch list when she called me yesterday night oh my god and how short is that list i don't know how long is that list these are questions that i did not ask um because she was asking for recommendations and i was like i don't know watch altered carbon um I still haven't watched the second season. I still haven't watched the second season yet. I'm scared. I am just waiting for a clear day where I can sit down at 10 o'clock in the morning and binge until 10 o'clock at night. 
Well, that could be coming up. That could be coming up. Yeah. That could be coming up. Um, But yeah, apparently she'd already gotten through her list and it's like spring break just started for her and then she's got two weeks of quarantine after that. Yeah. Is she doing, uh, she's having to do remote classes? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 USF Um, is going remote right now. Yeah. I think every, every school in Florida is at this point. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so basically, wash your hands. Wash your goddamn hands. Um, and there's don't panic. some, yeah, don't panic. Um, there's some really weird information floating out there about hand sanitizer and washing your hands, but really, washing your hands is just very effective, so do that and if you can't wash your hands then sanitize them basically that's that's all yeah that's really it so cool cool all right well uh this week we are back to thrift store finds and if you've been paying attention to our sneak peek um on instagram or on the website you will know that we have a treat for you today. Oh, man. Um, I have selected chicken soup for the woman's soul. I have so many questions going into this. 101 stories to open the hearts and rekindle the spirits of women. Oh, God. Because our hearts are closed and our spirits are dead. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about you, but mine certainly is. <laughs> That's okay. That's that's fair. (laughs) Yeah, my spirit is down. My spirit is dead. (laughs) So, um, I don't know. I don't know if you ever like had encountered these before, but I used to have. I think I had chicken soup for the teen soul. Hmm. I think when I was younger. So the I fucking loved that book when I was younger. Yeah. All right. Um, no, the closest thing I ever got to this, um, my friends read it, and even then I did the eye roll thing. Yeah. Uh, I think the closest thing to, like, I don't know, I, I guess I consider this, uh, Christian fiction, sort of. It's an interesting point, because it's not, it, it's not, like, overtly... Christian, right? Yeah. It's not like advertising that it is, mm-hmm. and yet probably about eighty percent of those stories involve religion or God in some way. So yeah, yeah, and like I always notice that the the friends that I had that were reading it were the ones that were very avid churchgoers, mm-hmm. um, which you know I grew up in Oklahoma, so you throw a stone and you hit eighteen people that are very avid churchgoers. So this was relatively yeah. popular. Um, so the closest thing within the realm of, like, Christian fiction would be the Left Behind for Teens yeah. story, which I read a couple of volumes of that. Um, I think I read the first one, but not of the teen yeah, I read one. The teen I read version. the adult one. Did not read the adult version, and I got bored of the teen one pretty quick. and then I literally only read the first one. Flipped yeah. over. Yeah. No. Rapture. Interesting in theory for me, actually reading about everyone's journey back to God not so much. Yeah. No. I wasn't into it. Wasn't. Wasn't a fan. Yeah. I wasn't really a huge fan of really thinking about 
the apocalypse to begin with. So I'm a dark, twisty soul, even at a young age. Uh, you know, just like that sounds like a bad time. It sounds like a bad time. I don't want to read about or think about. It yeah. did sound like a bad time. You're not wrong. Yeah. So. I can't remember. There was this also this other series that I read that was like Christian fiction. And I had like two or three books and it was about like an archaeologist family. And they were actually like really good. And I don't know what books I, I can't remember what the series was. Like I have no idea what they were. Fascinating. I'm going to we'll put that in the show notes too. Let's see if I can find that series. But I I liked it because it it was like a lot of like archaeology. And always fun. Yeah, and that was like really interesting to me uh, when I was younger. And it was obviously, and then there was just like Christian stuff going on too. But um, yeah. So chicken soup for the woman's soul. Um, obviously these books were like huge. Number one New York Times bestseller. I, they probably all were, to be honest. Uh, um, yeah, and yet all of them have made their ways to thrift stores. Because yes. the entire run of chicken soups were at the thrift store we went to. Yes, I am almost positive, like, there was every single one. Although, there were there are, like, quite a few. I actually was going to put that in the show notes, too. I was going to find a list of all of them. Mm. Uh, just to see. But, I mean, it was an impressive collection, it nonetheless, at the thrift solid. store. Um yeah just a lot so let's let's learn a little bit about chicken soup shall we let's so the particular editors for this volume are listed as jack canfield mark victor hansen jennifer reed hawthorne and marcy shimoff 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 almost smirnoff but not yeah Kind of reminiscent of Smirnoff. A little Smirnoff-esque. Um, so Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen are the ones that originally founded Chicken Soup. Um, and then they brought in two women for the woman's soul. You know what? At least it wasn't a bunch of guys in a closed-off room making these decisions. So That's true. I don't know that the results would have been any different, but fair um so all of these people you're like hmm why are you putting together a book of stories who are you and what do you do well they're all like professional speakers Hmm. all of them um i think it was yeah hawthorne and shimoff shimoff whatever um, however you pronounce that last name. Um, they co-own the Esteem Group, which Esteem. is a company that specializes in self-esteem and inspirational programs for women. So not just a clever name. It's not just a clever name. It does sound like it could be a cult name. That's does sound a little cultish. Um, that's also something to look into. Is that even still a company that is running? I don't know. Uh, it does remind me of that booth that we saw at PodFest. Which, oh, we haven't even talked about PodFest in this episode yet. Um, it was great. It was awesome. I'm going to write a blog post about it. We learned lots of things. We saw lots of cool equipment that we're going to be looking yes. into. Yes. Um, 
and found out some that cool tools. We're definitely on the right track for how we're doing things now, but we will be tweaking things in the near future to make it better. Yeah. Yeah, there was lots to learn. It was very exciting. It was, yeah. Um, but as part of the expo, as we were viewing some really cool equipment and all that, there was one booth that Paige really wanted to stop at yeah. and talk to these people. What was it called? Elevate? I don't remember. Or something? As it's- excited as I was about it. Okay, so here's the reason I was excited about yeah. this. Um, every booth had a question, like, printed out and put in a little plastic thing so like i guess it was a conversation starter which first of all like an icebreaker yeah i really appreciated because as a socially awkward introvert having just like an icebreaker to sort of get into it was kind of a nice uh gift i guess to me Mm. as a person no attending these things it was good for me too because i'm probably just as introverted as you even though i think i seem i think i appear to be less introverted you do appear to be less i'm not I noticed you were actually not. more hesitant than I was yeah. to talk to people, no, which was I, I fascinating. I was, like, very anxious having to be in there. You were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting. And we just kept walking in circles because I was, like, too afraid to, like, approach anyone. Yeah. I, we, I did we, did, we did eventually. Yeah, we, we, we approached, like, different courage. people. And it was fine, and we didn't die. We um, did not die. But it was still scary. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so this particular booth had a question that said something about medieval whatever. Yeah, which if you want my attention, if we haven't figured out already from all of these episodes on the podcast, if you say anything about like fantasy related stuff or medieval stuff, I'm like, you got me hooked. Mm-hmm. Just, just well done. I'm there. Um, and then the question ended up being like, what modern technology would appear like magic to medieval, a medieval people? person? Literally fucking everything. Yeah, literally everything. Literally everything. That was a nice breaker question. That was a stupid question, is what that was. Yeah. Yeah. No. Literally. Literally everything. everything. Literally everything. It. Yeah. I. I don't even know how you could make that question better so that it was like more of a. I don't know. It was stupid. Anyway, we did not talk to them. We, we didn't, didn't talk to them because I was put off by the fact that it definitely looked like a cult. <laughs> I, I was like, why are you here? They, they they weren't selling equipment. They were it was all about like elevate your mind and like take yourself to the next level. Like some Celestine prophecy kind of shit. Yeah, a little bit. And I was just like, why are you here? Hmm. What purpose do you serve Which to podcasters? Like the, this this whole conference and expo is for like podcasters, and there was also like a vid fest, so like uh, you know, YouTubers and and that kind of thing. Like, what service are you providing? Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Are you just like there for the mental health aspect of it? Which you know, fair I suppose. But, but it didn't, didn't like read that way. It didn't read like like that. they didn't mention mental health at all no. on any of their signage. Um. It was just bizarre. It was weird. Um, so, yeah, I, I was like, I feel like they're a cult. I feel like we say that as well on every episode. Like, it's doom and gloom and then cults. I tend to think of everything as a cult, so. <laughs> the world there's is a, ending there's and everything is a cult. Welcome and to Big Book Energy. Yes. There we go. There's our new tagline. That's our new tagline. Um, yeah, so anyway... Uh, to me, the name The Esteem Group. 
sounds like it could it be a sounds cult. a little cultish yeah sounds a little cultish um but anyway so these two women in particular have this company that's supposed to inspire women um and those are the editors for this series now uh chicken soup was originally like the company so like chicken soup as a company was originally founded in 1993 mm-hmm. okay um did you know that chicken soup trades on the stock market no they do they are public fascinating yeah i did not know that i was just like this is just a book series no no they no. are a public company um they aren't owned by Canfield and Hansen anymore. They got purchased like a few years ago and I think that's when they went public. Interesting. Okay. Um and they have shall we say diversified <laughs> from books. Please um, explain. Pet food? Soups? Sauces? Etc. And books too. Um, yeah. Well that took a very big left turn there. Yeah, it's like, oh, our name is Chicken Soup, therefore we, we therefore, must now sell Chicken Soup. That one I get pet, pet food. food. I wholesome, godly food for your pets. I don't know. The power of Christ compels you, I suppose. I don't. And I actually am. I'm curious because I I didn't um, read into this at all. I don't know if it's kept that same uh, Christian core. Mm. Now that it's been bought, I don't know. I don't know if the new owners um, are still, like, pushing that angle or what. I have no idea. But, um... Fascinating. Yeah, so this is, you know, the international best-selling series of books that is now um, selling pet food and trading on the stock market. Let's get into this thing. Um, So I'm looking at the cover, and there's some very interesting names there. Yes. With stories by. There are. Um, also, the cover, uh, if you've seen the Chicken Soup books, like the little like left third or so of the book cover is where you have like some sort of graphic. Right. And for women, the graphic is um, some folded red fabric. I don't know if that's supposed to be like, you know, I don't know. Red for um, women. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. It almost looks like the sheets on the cover of a trashy romance novel. Literally, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And like, I'm like, that's a weird angle. That's a good start. Um, great. So, with stories by Oprah Winfrey. Yep. Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. Recognize all those names so far? Um, I don't really recognize the next two, but Kathy Lee Gifford. That one I do recognize. And many more. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they actually open with a a Maya Angelou poem titled Phenomenal Woman, which I'll just, I'm not going to read it. Um, I'll just link it in the show notes. And it's basically just like talking about, you know, women and how they have power over man and you know she's strutting her stuff down the street and she's like a strong independent woman kind of deal um yeah so that was fine i guess i wasn't a huge fan of the poem but that's that's cool 
And then um, the book is split into, let's see, I think eight, no, ten different parts. Oh, good. Ten different parts. And um, what's really interesting about these parts is that we can see they really do, many of them fit into the traditional roles that women take. So the first one we have on love. Um, there's another one that's on marriage, on motherhood. Um, and then there's, you know, just more generic ones. But really, like, so that idea as a woman as wife and mother. And those are the roles that she fits within. So no career women represented here? Um, actually, not really. There, There's like definitely stories where the women are working. Mm-hmm. In fact, a really common theme is actually single mothers. Okay. And the other really common part of that is that the father figure has abandoned the family or is abusive. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, really fun. Um... Before I dive into, because I wanted, what I wanted to do is highlight some of the more problematic stories Mm -hmm. that I came across, and then um, kind of talk about some some thoughts at the end. Um, But before I do that, it was really interesting because this was published in. This is actually just kind of a funny moment for me. This was published in 1996. And um, all the stories are talking about how, like, oh, when when I was growing up in the Great Depression, oh, like, wait, what? Okay. How old are you? <laughs> and the answer is real fucking old. Because some <laughs> of the people died before they got actually got no. published. Yes. No. There's, like, two separate notes that we're talking about how, like, Oh, we were so glad we managed to track this person down and get the story before they passed away, you know, oh a month god. later. I was like, oh my god. And then there's some others where, like, the um, the narrator is talking about, like, their parents and how they were, like, you know, growing up, like, in the early 1900s. <laughs> so, oh my so god. There's just, like, a huge generational gap between yes. me and and these stories. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting, like, reading that now, um, because I will talk about this more later. In many ways, I, I didn't feel I could relate. Um, but there was also, like, generationally, I did not feel like I could relate to a lot of the stories in here. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and just talk about some of these stories. I'm probably going to do maybe three, possibly four, depending on how long this takes. Okay. Um, and you'll just get my excellent from the seat of my pants summaries of these stories. Oh, yes. Um, so this will be fun. Or actually, I probably will just read from my notes <laughs> that I did take on them. Okay, so the very first story in here. Oh, okay. So it starts off on a high um, note. Yeah, the very first story. It's supposed to be, like, very touching. Mm. Um, and, it, of course, this is, in, is the section on love. Um, and it's called The White Gardenia. And in this story, 
I roll. Uh, from the time the narrator turned 12, she mysteriously began receiving a white gardenia every year on her birthday. Oh my god. Yes. Um, she was not concerned that (laughs) (laughs) that a random stranger was sending her a flower on her birthday, but instead found it to be very romantic and and wonderful and full of mystery. There's the generational gap right there. Um, (laughs) And, you know, her mother is also just like super excited about this as well and you know helps the girl like try and guess who it is that's sending the flower um yikes uh and then you know it's it's a really sad story because like her father dies when she's very young and then eventually you know there's a story about her going to prom and how her mother made it possible by making this dress that they couldn't afford to buy them you know themselves mm, yeah. and um and then um her mother ends up passing away um when she was 22 so she lost both of her parents by a very young that's, age yeah that's really young um although she was also already married at 22 so again, generational uh, generational difference, difference there. Um, and that's when the white gardenias stopped coming in the mail. Oh, wait, when her mom died? Yes. Okay, because it was it was her mom. So it was her mom. Okay. It was her mom. Um, but <laughs> I was just reading this and I was like, if I was getting a white like a white flower in the mail from an anonymous person on my birthday, I would be freaking out. <laughs> Like, oh my god, that would be terrifying. Because not only does this person know where you live, they know what your birthday is. <laughs> like, what? No. Some of my happiest moments were spent in daydreams about someone wonderful and exciting, but too shy or eccentric to make his or her identity known. I'm like, girl, you are 12. No. 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 Just, just no. That's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know why her mom sent her a flower. I mean, clearly it was making her happy, but like, why didn't she come up with that idea in the first place? That seems weird. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, maybe just give her the flower on her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that instead. Maybe that instead. You know, I like absolutely not. Uh, if you receive unsolicited presents from anonymous people in the mail on your birthday, you should probably go to the police. Don't, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't romanticize about what shy, tortured soul is on the other end of that present. Okay, like I don't know. I like how you immediately go to stalker. That was my knee-jerk reaction. Yes, it was stalker. Uh. Okay, the next one is actually the very next story. Oh. Um, <laughs> We're starting so off real strong here. We are. We really are. Um, and this one's called Words from the Heart. And um, so remember how I talked about a really common theme in the stories is that these women are wives, 
mothers or possibly like abandoned wives you know like they're going right. through divorce um, another really common theme is that they are caregivers which of course is another traditional female role mm-hmm. so these are like hospital volunteers or actual nurses doctors okay. um so yeah so we we've covered like the mother the wife the caregiver mm-hmm. um is is what most of these women fit into so this particular one, she's a, a volunteer at a hosp in the in a hospice ward. Um, all right then. And so there's a woman that she's taking care of. Obviously, we're in hospice, so this woman is dying. Right. Um, and her husband comes to visit her like every single day. Um, which you know, oh yeah, that's, that's cute, that's sweet, that's okay. cute, right? Um, but. The woman, you know, tells the narrator that she just wishes that her husband would express his love for her to her because he's, you know, that, you know, strong, silent type doesn't talk about his emotions, Mm -hmm. doesn't tell her that he loves her. Like, you know, um, because I assume for him, he's doing this through actions by like visiting her. Um, And so, you know, she just, like, really wishes that he would just vocalize his feelings for her. And, you know, eventually the volunteer approaches the husband and tells him that, you know, your wife really needs to hear you say how you feel about her. And he's like, what do you mean? I do, I've done all these things. I've been with her for so many years. How could she, you know, not know that? And she's like, it's not about knowing you have to tell her. She just needs to hear you say it. Okay. So eventually, you know, um, the woman in hospice ends up dying, but not before her husband um, writes this, you know, very adorable letter mm-hmm. and reads it to her about how much he loves her and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Oh, very, very heartwarming, very touching. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sound so cynical. You sound so um, cynical. I mean, okay. But I mean, it is cause like at the end of the story, I was like, Oh, that's so cute. But, Oh, but, but let's get to this. Okay. Um, first of all, Hearing those words from her husband, this is, this story is designed to make us feel like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet Yeah, that, you know, he was clearly a devoted husband, mm-hmm. uh, visit her, visited her all the time, which is great. You know, you absolutely should do that when your spouse is dying. Um, and he finally like vocalized and gave her what she needed right. and it made her incredibly happy before she died. Right. What if he had done that? every other day of their goddamn marriage (laughs) like holy crap this was just one giant example of why toxic masculinity sucks your wife (laughs) is clearly expressing her love language which is words of love and affirmation right and you as a husband were unable to fulfill that for her for decades (laughs) And they clearly never really talked about it clearly. because he didn't understand what the volunteer was saying. Yeah. And as soon as he did, he he did something about it. Right. But like, so it's like this entire marriage could have been so much better for the wife. Right. It could have been so much better because he could have just like 
told her how he felt mm-hmm. and it's not even exactly like his fault either i'm sure like he was raised like right, that toxic right. masculinity men don't talk about feelings and he never felt like comfortable expressing himself in that way and never felt like it was necessary he was completely unaware mm-hmm. that his wife may like actually really need that from him right right i'll say this isn't heartwarming at all <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, it, it is. It still is. It's still, like, a touching right, story. Right. But, like, there's so much more that's going into that story. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that just made me angry. You know? I, like, I don't... And so another another aspect of this is, that who even knows if this story is real? Because some of them are fictional. And oh, some, okay. And some of them aren't. And they don't tell you which ones are fictional and which ones aren't. Sons of bitches. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I... That was one aspect of this book that I really disliked, is that there's no delineation between fictional and nonfiction. Um, That sucks. Yeah, so you're kind of reading this and you're like, this sounds like a sappy Lifetime Hallmark movie, whatever. And you don't even know if it's like something you can feel genuinely happy about because someone could have just made it up. You know, if if something if something really touching happens in real life, to me that makes it more touching because it actually happened, rather than you just like manufacturing something that's supposed to like tug at the heartstrings. Mm. You know, Um, (laughs) so it it's really interesting how that kind of played out. I was just like, these narrators to me are not trustworthy narrators because I don't know if this story is real or not. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that was story number two. (laughs) So story number one, terrible. Story number two, problematic. Yeah. How long did you go before you were like, God damn it, they did it again? Well, uh, let's see. I mean, really. Mama's Soup Pot? Is that what that says? Mama's Soup Pot is the next one. And yes, it was also, um, yikes, it, uh. Okay, maybe we should spin this around. Was there a yeah. story that you felt good um, about? No, um, there actually wasn't. <laughs> um, Perfect. There, right. there was not a story that I felt good about in here, um, in this the entire book. All of them had issues. Um, let's see. I might, I might do more than three or four, and we can just edit some out because, like, I'm telling you some of this stuff, man. All right, all right. I'm excited. This next story, still in the same section, on love. That's titled, Are You God? Oh, God. Question mark. Um, And this one's actually very short, so I'll just read it. Okay. Um, One cold evening during the holiday season, a little boy about six or seven was standing out in front of a store window. The little child had no shoes and his clothes were mere rags. A young woman passing by saw the little boy and could read the longing in his pale blue eyes. She took the child by the hand and led him into the store There she bought him some new shoes and a complete suit of warm clothing. They came back outside into the street, and the woman said to the child, Now you can go home and have a very happy holiday. The little boy looked up at her and said, Are you God, ma'am? She smiled down at him and and replied, No, son, I'm just one of his children. The little boy then said, I knew you had to be some relation. Thoughts? You're fucking kidding me. Fucking really? Oh my god. Okay. Um, hmm. Where do I start with that? 
Okay, so you see a little boy alone. You're, you're going the exact direction I'm going. Yeah. yeah. You see a little boy alone in rags. Yep. You just buy him clothes and then you're like, fuck send, off. Send him home. <laughs> this, see, to me, I'm pretty sure that this is not a real story. It's no. like a made up oh one. Oh my God. But even the implications are still like, dude, no. No. Because a man wrote this one. Dan. 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 Okay, Dan. Fucked up, Dan. If you see a small child in rags. In rags, and it's cold and dark. Into a, yeah, yeah. on his own. On what his makes own. you think he even has a home to go back to at that point? Yep. Uh, I think the first thing you do is you call the fucking cops. Yeah, Child Protective Services, anything. D- DCF, anything. Anything. <coughs> Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Um... Yeah, so those are those are like exactly what I said. First, well, first I was like, "What kind of bullshit, little heartwarming story was that?" Well, um, <laughs> I mean, and then yes. you see a starving kid dressed in rags during the holiday season, and you just buy him clothes and tell him he can go home now. You Why would you even food? assume he had a home? Yeah, yeah. Why would you assume that him showing up with brand new clothing will be re- well received by whoever is waiting for him also at that. home? Um, the same people, I might add, who are totes cool with their seven-year-old being alone outside the house on a cold winter evening. <laughs> like, nothing about Stellar this parenting. story makes sense. Stellar parenting. Nothing about this story makes sense. Yeah. This is not how we respond to this, res- this situation. No. no. And this is some made-up bullshit, This and is I don't some like made-up bullshit. I'm just I one of his like children. It. Fuck you. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because you're actually not improving that child's life one bit no no even you're by, doing even if you spend a hundred dollars on getting him new clothes you're not improving that child's life no. you're not actually helping him you're not you're making yourself feel good for like two seconds two seconds and yeah. then you're gonna forget about it and you're gonna go back to your nice warm house yeah and eat probably an unreasonable amount of food yeah and watch television now does that mean that if you come across a cold starving person that you shouldn't buy them clothing no no right but you shouldn't just buy them clothing and then go home and continue to support the system that allows for that to happen right right right. maybe find um a different way to deal with that situation yes dan fucking dan there's one story that's titled it was 1933 and my comment is just jesus A lot of them are so old, and I'm like, what? What? Jesus. Um, yeah, wow. So, oh, and then there's another story in, so this is in the section on attitude and self-esteem, which is the one after on love. And there's one story where she's talking about, she got polio. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm like, we are in the middle ages right now. (laughs) Which, I mean, okay, so, like, 50s and stuff, you could still get polio. You could still get polio, definitely. Still, like, that's, it's a completely different generation. Oh, my God. Um, We're actually going to move on to, I think, overcoming obstacles. Okay, yeah, because I just, I peeked over and I saw your notes, and um, I have questions, so There's a table flipping emoji. There's a table. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Um, actually, it just starts with, in all caps, what the actual fuck? Yeah, so... This is... We can talk about that one. Please, it, please. It was just me raging over just the general um, 
situation that I was coming across over and over again in these stories, which I mentioned before. Um, so it's the story is titled We've Come a Long Way. And the narrator is talking about um, her mother. And um, let me just read this first section, which made me just like go into automatic rage mode. Oh, um, I'm by, excited. Go. By 1946, when my mother, Mary Silver, had been married to Walter Johnson for nearly seven years, she was the mother of four active, noisy children. I was the oldest at nearly six. The others followed close behind, two boys ages four and two, and then a girl, still just an infant. She's an infant. All right. We lived in a very old house with no close neighbors. I know little of my parents' lives at this time, but having raised two children myself in some remote corners of the country, I can imagine what it must have been like, especially for my mother. Uh, with four small children, a husband whose sense of obligation extended to bringing home the bacon and mowing the yard, no neighbors, and almost no opportunities to develop any friends of her own. She had virtually no place to vent the intense pressures that must have built up in her. So we're talking about great awareness of the struggles of mothers and motherhood. Right, right. Um, for some reason, my father decided that she was straying when she could possibly have, when she could possibly have found the time and who she'd have been able to meet, let alone stray with, since the four of us were constantly underfoot is a mystery to me. But my father made up his mind and that was that. One early spring day in 1946, my mother left the house to get milk for the baby. When she came back, hmm, my father was standing at an upstairs window with a gun. He said, Mary, if you try to come into this house, I'll shoot your children. That was how he let her know that he was suing her for divorce. <clears throat> men are trash men are trash um yeah so that's that's hmm. okay that's All right. hence the table flipping emoji yeah um and so eventually it, the whole story is about how her mother gets the kids back first of all good and moves to the city and basically ends up supporting them um what was she she was doing like math so, uh, yeah, she had a, well, she had a degree in mathematics. Oh, uh, yeah. So she's actually educated, which is a step above, like, what a lot of women, especially at that time, would have dealt with. Yeah. So um, but basically, like, she had a really struggle to find a place, a job, um, because most of the times the jobs were going to men, which, again, men are trash. Um, and... But eventually, you know, she finds a position. She stays at that company for 38 years. She gets a corner office in downtown Manhattan, which, like, even, like, in the 70s right? is, like, pretty insane. Um, That's so, awesome. yeah. And, but it's just, like, over and over again, these stories are about women with children escaping abusive husbands or being abandoned by neglectful husbands and i'm like what about this particular trope you know like was it was it just is this a generational thing was it that much more common back in the day is this something that still happens with i mean obviously it still happens you hear about it all the time but i'm right. like is it with the same frequency and and what was it about these stories that they thought would appeal to women. I mean, I guess, like, you know, even if you're a single mom, you can do it. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It, it was an interesting choice, and it comes up over and over again. So they thought that these in particular were going to be... Um, they were going to speak to the female readers that are presumably picking this book up. Yeah. Um, hmm. This is a lot about the audience. Yeah. Or what I they mean, like, think the what? audience is. Right, right. And I'm like, why are so why are so many of these stories about women like being abandoned or abused? I don't know. I don't know. It was it was it was weird. It was weird because there were a lot of them. Um so yeah, that that was my big reaction to that one. Um those seem like appropriate reactions given uh the scenario there the fuck threatens to shoot their own children <sighs> people i know man there's just so many interesting there okay there was there was a story that actually um in this particular section that i actually took something of value from okay um so that's gonna be um the story is called soaring free um and we have a woman um who is pregnant? Oh, this is gonna be good. With her husband's child. Okay. When he comes home and basically tells her it's not working anymore. And get out. Nice. Yeah, and this is just as she's giving birth to her first child. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, and so she's obviously struggling. <laughs> I mean, with this. Um,. But there is a point where, um, yeah, the last paragraph of the story, which I will read. Okay. Um, oh, okay, here we go. I had made the mistake in my life of basing my identity on my marriage and all the material things surrounding that relationship. I've learned that I am responsible for my own life and happiness. When I focus my life on another person and try to build my life and happiness around that person, I'm not truly living. To truly live, I need to let the spirit within me be free and rejoice in its uniqueness. It is in this state of being that the love of another person becomes a joy and not something to be afraid of losing. So that was... Ooh, kitty. Yeah, so... Aww. I that's don't remember that one. I, that's a new one. That's a I new one. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one. Cat Abby. <sighs> so many cats here. So many cats. Um, yeah, so that particular quote was like, this is actually something useful. Yeah. Um, because That's actually genuinely good advice. It is. And I think it's... Honestly, so like if we're basing this back in the, the time period that a lot of these stories are written. Right. Like decades ago now. Mm-hmm. Um. You can see, yeah, decades, decades ago. ago. Uh, so old. Um, Over 20 years. Yeah, like, everyone older than us listening to this is super happy. With I us know, right? right? Now. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so old. But, you know, so, like, the options for women, even though, you know, they've been expanding greatly since, you know, like, the 60s and 70s still were fairly limited and if you are literally just expected to be a wife and mother how much harder is that to just base your entire identity off of your relationship to your husband Mm. you know you're building your entire identity 
off of him. Right. Because you're only allowed, like, certain roles, and they are dependent upon him as well. Correct. So your role as a, a wife, and even your role as a mother, particularly if he is the one that's supporting you and your child, children financially, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, how much harder would it be to be able to form your own strong sense of self outside of the relationship if you don't really do anything outside of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still something that people do all the time today. Totally, totally. You see, you see, like, people talk about that all the time where they're like, yeah, I just got really lost in that relationship or I mm-hmm. lost myself in that relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, the great sage of our time, Will Smith, Oh. actually has an excellent video about this. The Fresh Prince himself. Yes. Um, I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. It's a it's a great video. I remember watching that at a time in my life when I really needed to hear it. I'll try and find it. Um, I'm sure it's been watched like a million times. Probably, so yeah. But basically he's talking about, you know, his relationship with um, his wife and basically how oftentimes we expect our significant other to be our source of happiness. Right. And what that means is that as soon as they aren't, what's to keep your relationship from like breaking down at that point? If they're no longer like giving you happiness Mm -hmm. um, and they're just giving you trouble or, you know, whatever instead, like you're not going to want to stay with that person. Right. Um, And it's just really important for everyone listening Like, you do not owe happiness to any other person. Mm -hmm. But likewise, no no one else owes happiness to you either. Correct. That's something that you need to be able to find for yourself through what you do. Um, You know, so don't seek fulfillment from others. You have to find it for yourself first. Um, So, yeah, that was some good relationship advice. That is really good relationship advice. Yeah. Really good relationship advice. Um, you know what I just remembered? What? This month is Women's History Month. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. We didn't really celebrate that much. I mean, I no. guess we're reading this book, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, we didn't. There was, like, International Women's Day not too long ago, too. Yes. We totally missed that. Yeah. Um, Except, like, TNT was playing Wonder Woman, which, you know, excellent choice. Well, yeah, that is a great choice. Always. Um, when in doubt, play Wonder, Wonder Woman. Galgado over here. Galgado. Um, I will forever hold on to that. Forever. That might um, be the single funniest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of that one. It was a good one. Yeah. It was a good one. Um. Anyway. Anyway. We, we did retweet something on International Women's Day. Oh, good for us. Yeah. We're so, awesome. One of the other podcasts that uh, we're following on Twitter... The Galloping Abs Society. I'm pretty sure. The Hilarious. Great title. It's a great title. Hilarious podcast. They like just started, uh, but they had posted something for. Um, they were. I think they were just promoting um, uh, their next episode, but they had mentioned you know International Women's Day, so we we retweeted. Um, but uh, they actually they review uh, romance novels that are free on Amazon. That's a genius idea. It's a great idea. And Good it call. is hilarious. So Good I would call. recommend you check them out too. Um, 
anyway, back to chicken soup. Yeah, sorry, just that um, popped into my head. Chicken soup. Let's see. Okay, now we're getting into the section on marriage. Oh, yay. Yay. I am so excited about the advice on marriage from this book. Oh, boy. Okay. There's two I'm going to talk about. There's right. actually another one that I wanted to talk about, but, you know, trying to keep this limited. I'm sorry, does that say what women don't understand about guys? Yes, it does. (laughs) And that is the topic of our next little bit of conversation. All right, the title. What Women Don't Understand About Guys. (laughs) And this is a long-form kind of exploration of that meme slash cartoon genre that goes around um you know the social media where it's like the man and woman are like laying in bed and the woman's like oh my god what is he thinking about me does he love me blah 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 and then the man's little thought bubble is like man the car wasn't firing right today or some other stupid bullshit yeah Yeah. um how are you gonna catch all 150 pokemon like yeah yeah insert quote dude thing even though, yeah. what does that even mean? Um, a random thought. And, uh, yeah, so this is basically just, like, this is a man writing this. <laughs> is this another Dan? <laughs> this is a man writing this. And, um, God, it's, it's so fucking weird. Okay, so it's basically these, this, um, Roger and Elaine are on a date. Okay. And they've been dating for a while, And so she says something about, like, oh, like, um, she's trying to, like, maybe, like, DTR a little bit to find the relationship a little bit. all right. Or, uh, you know, maybe even, like, further down the road where you're just trying to, like, um, trying to figure out what the other person is thinking in terms of where the relationship is going. All right. Um, and he, and it gives, like, the, Elaine is thinking this, and Roger is thinking this, and Elaine is freaking out because she thinks that she's, like you know, like, pushed too much or something because she's, like, brought up, like, the future. And um, Roger is literally, like, thinking about the car. Um, Like, he's, like, completely clueless, does not understand what's going on. Um, And then we switch over to the actual author who's just kind of like talking about men versus women. All right. And, uh, you know, it really gets great at this particular part where he says that Roger has a guy brain, basically an analytical problem solving organ because, you know, women don't do that either. Yeah. Mm, Piece of shit. All right. Um, it's not comfortable with nebulous concepts such as love, need, and trust. If the guy brain has to form an opinion about another person, it prefers to base it on facts, such as his or her earned run average. Because sports, right? Um, women, oh. ha- women have trouble accepting this. It gets better. It gets so much better. My God. They are convinced that guys must spend a certain amount of time thinking about the relationship. How could a guy see another human being day after day, night after night, and not be thinking about the relationship? This is what women figure. They are wrong. A guy in a relationship is like an ant standing on top of a truck tire. 
The ant is aware that something large is there, but he cannot even dimly comprehend what it is. What the fuck kind of metaphor is that? First of all, men have analytical brains, implying that women don't. But then they're also too goddamn stupid to know they're in a fucking relationship. I... Sorry, I just got really loud. Does this express my anger appropriately? Um... That's literally, literally, and he goes on to talk about how, like, the Roger is just like, we're having a baby? <laughs> like, oh my God. we've been married 30 years? Like, the most idiotic dumb fuck. And I'm like, what? You can't, you can't have both. You have to pick one or the other. You can't have an analytical problem-solving brain, and then also be too stupid to realize you have been married to someone for 30 years and have children with them. <laughs> I, I oh, was man. blown oh, away. My oh, my God. The very end of this. Never let up, women. Pound away relentlessly at this concept, and eventually it will start to penetrate the guy's brain. Someday he might even start thinking about it on his own. He'll be talking with some other guys about women. And out of the blue, he'll say, Elaine and I, we have, um, we have, uh, we, we have this thing. And he will sincerely mean it. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. We, We have this thing. And he'll sincerely mean Are you shitting me? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, um. If you're dating someone like that, please stop. stop. Just, Just stop. stop. <laughs> Just stop. Because you know what? He's too dumb. He's too stupid. Like, oh my god. Yeah, also, if anybody ever describes themselves as being an ant on top of a truck tire, you <laughs> should probably fucking leave. <laughs> um, I can't get past that, I'm sorry. Like, all the stuff is like, yeah, fucking ridiculous, but really, I can't get past the ant on a truck tire <laughs> Like, I'm just stuck on it. I just, like... That's even worse than, like, when you feel like a plastic bag in the wind. When you feel like an ant on a truck tire. <laughs> I just... <laughs> this one blew me away. Um, Like, it blew me away. So, oh, first wow. of all, like, men have analytical brains that don't understand emotions which therefore implies that women have emotional brains and their thoughts are not based on facts because he talks about how men's thoughts are based on facts mm. and i'm like i'm sorry fact you're in a relationship with someone like i've actually never met a guy who was not more ready than i was to talk about what we were hmm. like i yeah Like, guys think about this stuff, and I'm sorry, they're not so dumb that they can't figure out after this, this example, 53 years of marriage, 
that they have a relationship. A thing. They have a thing. They have a thing. They have a thing. They have a thing. I don't know. Is that what you call your five children or like what? I, you know, (laughs) I, I just, he was simultaneously insulting to both genders. This stupid little story. That's actually impressive. Um, yeah. That's actually impressive. And that's not to say that I don't think that men and women think about different things. I'm sure they do. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they do. Because you know what? They're just, like, individuals. Yeah. I know. It's weird, <laughs> that, right? like, don't think the same things. Mm. And, you know, it's not just... It's, like, we stereotype that women are more emotional. Uh, that's rooted in patriarchy. But, like, we stereotype that women are more emotional. Not all women are. No. And sometimes it's the man that's the more emotional one. I've actually found oftentimes it's the man that's more emotional. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, maybe not necessarily with me, but, I, you know, whatever. So, like... It doesn't have to be that way, and it right. often isn't that way. Right. And I just, this story was so, so stupid. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't even. Dave. God damn it, Dave. What an idiot. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that one. This the book was everything one. I hoped it was going to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was endless entertainment. This was exactly um, what I wanted whenever we picked these things up. The next story, we're going to get into some uh, monster in-laws Oh. Yeah. Um, so the story starts off very cute. Um, Winona was 19 when she first met Edward. A tall, handsome young man in the summer of 1928. Holy shit. Because we're in the Middle Ages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, this story is called Lost and Found. I didn't preface that. Um, they met in 1928. I was like, I can't even relate to this. Um, (laughs) so anyway, um, they meet like one time and it's that classic, like love at first sight. They begin a like pen pal sort of relationship, um, because he's not from Detroit. Okay. He was visiting and, um, you know, they continue that for months and then all of a sudden, the dude stops writing and she's like, well, you know, I guess he must've found someone else Mm. and she's like heartbroken, but you know, like whatever. So a few years later she gets married and they have kids and then she is, Oh, this guy was a friend of her brother. And so she goes to her, um, visit her brother and sister-in-law and, um, they invite her to go to, her long lost love's daughter's wedding because they were going to this wedding. Okay. So she goes and they meet and it's very bittersweet because they're like so happy to see each other, but you know, they're married to other people. They right. have kids, like whatever. Yeah. And, um, then eventually their spouses end up dying and they make their way back to each other at like the age of like fucking 70. Ooh. You know, like, at, yeah. the, at the end of their lives. Which is still great that they're able to, like, have a wonderful, fulfilling relationship mm-hmm. at the end of their lives. Right. The reason. Yes, this is what I want. The reason that the letters stopped coming. Oh, God. Is because this bitch, Edward's mom, Ooh. was frightened of losing her baby son. And so she started destroying the letters that Winona was writing. And so he thought that Winona had stopped writing to him. Oh, what a bitch. I'm like, 
These two could have had decades together. Yeah. (laughs) I was so mad. I was so, I mean, obviously, they ended up having relationships with other people and they had children. I'm sure they don't regret having their children, but like, my God. Yeah, seriously. Okay. She was okay with him marrying this other girl? Apparently. Maybe, maybe the other girl like lived in the same city, Mm. so she couldn't really like, you know, cut things off in the same way. Fair. Or maybe she was worried that he would move Mm. away. I don't know. I don't care. What a horrible witch of a woman. Yeah. That is next level bitchery right there. Get out. Get out. Yeah. And I was pissed off about that one. I bet. Stupid. They were super cute, though. Edward and Winona were adorable. Um, yeah. So let's let's move on here. Um, um, so this next one... I did not have many notes about the stories on motherhood. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. Um, Because I, I have nothing to say about motherhood. But let's see. The section we're moving to next is live your dream. <clears throat> and uh, the first story we're going to talk about is called The Wind Beneath Her Wings. Hmm. This is about a real person. Okay. Um, so in 1959... Uh, Jean Harper is the protagonist of this story. She, um, her father is a crop duster pilot, and she also wants to be a pilot when she grows up. Cool. Um, she has a dream of being a pilot, but, you know, it's like 1960s, essentially, and she's a woman. So, um, over the years, whenever she talks about wanting to be a pilot, she's met with discouragement and negativity. Um, you know, girls can't be air, airline pilots, like, you know. Bullshit. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, when you're young and growing up and you're just receiving constant negative feedback oh, on totally. like, yeah. what your dream is, um, that's really discouraging. So, uh, she is a senior in high school and her English teacher gives the class a writing assignment. And the first assignment is um, based on what do you think you'll be doing 10 years from now? And um, Jean is like, what am I going to be doing? Um, And by this point, you know, she's given up on this dream of being a pilot. So she writes about being a waitress because that's what she thinks, like, that's what women do, right? You know, if women are working, like, what are the available options? That is so sad. Yeah, it's really sad. It it really is. Um, And so she, the teacher collects the papers and two weeks later, um asks a different question if you had unlimited finances unlimited access to the finest schools unlimited talents and abilities what would you do and that's when um and then she asks after they turn in the second assignment are those two things that you wrote about the same thing Hmm. and the answer you know i think even if you did that today the answer would be no right right absolutely not Hmm. um and here is where the story... So, eventually, Jean does become an airline pilot. Um, she becomes a pilot for United. Nice. Uh, she was one of only uh, 50 women airline pilots in the nation at the time um, that she was uh, working. She became one of the first three female pilots ever accepted by United in 1978. 
That's pretty badass. Um, so she was able to turn this around because of this teacher and what she said to them. Now, what she said to them is inspiring and great. And I agree with it on the one hand, but we'll see if you come up with the same issues that I did. All, all right. right. So the teacher says to the class, I have a little secret for you all. You do have unlimited abilities and talents. You do have access to the finest schools and you can arrange unlimited finances if you want something badly enough. This is it. When you leave school, if you don't go for your dreams, no one will do it for you. You can have what you want if you want it enough. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So what you just said is the American dream right there, right? Yep. It is. Which is kind of horseshit. Because yes. it is very much a biased system. If you come from a wealthy family, if you are white, if you are male, you have all of those things pretty much available to you. But there are many, many, many factors working against you if you're not in that category right there. So it doesn't yeah. matter about how much you want something. You are not necessarily going you are to get not it. necessarily going to get it, and it doesn't matter how hard you work at something; it still doesn't mean you're going to get it. It still doesn't mean you're going to yeah. get it. So the, you know this, it's really interesting, and this could also again be a generational thing because we're talking. This is like late '60s, probably at this point that she's in high school. You know, uh, maybe early '70s, depending. Like, um, well, I guess at that time you could work during the summer and get right. enough well, exactly. money to you pay know, for tuition. The sentence here, you do have access to the finest schools. No, you do not. No. No, you do not. And I think that that particularly has changed in the past 20, 30 years. Yep. Um, you cannot arrange unlimited finances. No. First of all, what the fuck does that even mean? Right? I, like, you know, it's it's like this is the advice that follow your dream to the detriment of everything else. This mm -hmm. is what this is saying. And you will succeed. You will achieve what you want. This is what gets people $200,000 in debt because they went to the Ivy League school to study what they're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. No. No. No, you shouldn't. No. You, should, you shouldn't go to the finest school just because you can. There's various sorts of factors, mostly financial, mm -hmm. that are going to limit you or should limit you if you're going to be making sound financial decisions. Like, I just... Yeah. Yeah. And also, I don't, I don't like... I don't like the advice. You can have what you want if you want it enough. No. I totally disagree with that. Yeah. And I think, you know... For some people, this works out. Wanting it enough is enough. And for other people, it's not going to work out because nothing in life is guaranteed. And you just end up feeling... Depressed. Depressed. Insignificant. Um, like you failed. Like you're not living your dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like all of yeah. these different things. Yeah. So... Welcome to 2020. Right, right. And... I'm just like, oh my god, that's I you know, I'm glad that this advice was inspiring for, you know, Jean, mm -hmm. right? And she becomes this airline pilot. And this advice is inspiring for a lot of people. Right. But the fact is, like, 
it's not going to work out for everyone. Yeah. Back to that we're cheerful podcast. We are super cheerful. Um, we bring you good feelings and cults. Well, it, it reminds me of, like, kind of the current version of this, which is, like, all about, like, you know, the hustle, the grind. Yeah. Right? Like, if you work hard enough, you will make it. You do your and full-time job, and then you do your hobby at home and turn it into some sort of commercial yes, thing. And then if is, everything um, happens, right, it will... Yeah, what, what we're doing we're right doing. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, working out well, guys. Um, yeah. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. You know, it it's the the potential for burnout is just so high if you're constantly going and lots of people will like sacrifice their own personal health for that as well um you know because it's just one of the things you got to do to make it and i'm like no i need at least nine hours of sleep or someone's gonna get murdered no don't do that um and it's it's like another aspect that i find really annoying about you know lots of like financial advice because i you know watch a lot of uh, YouTube channels that are about finance and you know like that's one of that's one of the recommendations is that if you're not making enough money at your full-time job well get another job mm-hmm. and I'm like how about you should be able to make enough money if you're working 40 hours a week right because rest is incredibly important for humans as well you can't just be going 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 non-stop for years and years and years like you're gonna kill yourself yeah that's how you get a heart attack yeah it, you're gonna die young and like just because you know previous generations did that doesn't mean that we should also do that no you know like um you know so like in the early 1900s or in the 1800s you know you have like factory workers and um, sharecroppers and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, they were working insane hours mm-hmm. a week. Are we trying to mimic that? The Middle Ages? Because <laughs> we really, actually in the Middle Ages, like, you were typically working less. Sometimes even less than we do now. Well. Uh, if you're a farmer, like. Um, Hook me up with a lifetime supply yeah. of penicillin and ship me back there. Yeah. So, like, pattern patterns of work were different before industrialization. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's like we have made lots of improvements on our lives, but, like, we are forgetting, like, how restorative rest is. And I mean rest as in just, like, not work. And I mean, like, that you're just, like, sleeping all the time. All the sleep is very important and you should get plenty of sleep. But, like, um, consciously stopping work Mm -hmm. to allow your brain to recharge yes it is very important um so yeah um i didn't like this advice no i don't like it either um because for a lot of people it is not true agreed so um yeah, I just was listening to a, a really good podcast episode that was about rest. Um, and they were talking about different business models that allow for employees to have uh, better work-life balance. And, you know, so like working four-day four weeks or, you know, 30-hour weeks or, you know, six-hour days, five days a week. You know, like that kind of thing. God, that sounds great. Yeah. Sign oh, me up. Yeah. Yes, please. Um... 
Yeah, so this next one um, is actually kind of about us. Oh. Aw. Aw. Um, so it's about this waitress who was trying to start a newspaper with her husband hmm. um, and happened to run into Betty Furness, who um, I think if you're from an older generation, you'll know who that is. Yeah, I have no um, idea who I don't. Is. I didn't recognize the name, but she was like... Um, a, a big name. Um, and she just decides she's going to ask her for an interview. Oh, ballsy. All right. Yes. And, and she, so she interviews her, gets really good advice, um, and ends up, you know, not being a waitress and is able to have a career in journalism. Um, and let's see. Yeah. So the advice that was given at the end of this story seems similar to the advice given in the in the previous one but i think it's it's different um and it's valuable in in a different way so she writes i remember being swept along by the conventioneers there was a convention in town which is why betty Furness was in town okay knowing my life had not been what i truly desired Yet I had stumbled upon the opportunity to interview her, hadn't I? Do any job you're doing well, and you'll stumble over the right opportunities to do what you truly desire. Yes, over the years, we'd separately pursued our dreams and found our opportunities. It had taken talent, vision, and persevering commitment, and most important, a strong faith that we could reinvent ourselves. But it had started at that moment, there on the streets of Atlantic City. Taking a deep breath, I had plunged into the crowd, pushing aside my pyramiding ideas for the piece I would write later that night about Betty Furness. First, I had a job to do well. I had to go feed my share of 14,000 Democrats. It was the Democratic Convention. Gotcha. So it's kind of like this idea that... Um, that <laughs> Going back to the Celestine Prophecy and uh. Alchemist... Uh, that the universe almost like provides certain opportunities... For us that are serendipitous. Right. Right. Um, except here, there's kind of that added element of like, the opportunities are there, but we need to pursue them. Right. Yes. This is an active, an active pursuit rather than being passive and just allowing them to come to you. Um, so if you're presented with an opportunity, take it. If it is something that serves what you're truly passionate about. Um, this to me was actually this is what we're doing right now pretty much yeah like we saw an opportunity to start doing something that we like to Mm -hmm. do you know and then and the kind of the sentence where she talks about like knowing my life had not been what i truly desired really resonated with me because that's how i often feel about my life right now um you know yeah. You got Just, a lot on your plate right now. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on and like, you know, finding fulfillment is, has been difficult and um you know, so like really like starting this podcast, this is doing what I love to do. Right. Which is to read books and talk about books and hopefully provide entertainment or, you know, some sort of value to other people listening to this, obviously, but like right. this is what I like to do. And so um. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that's us. That's us. 
taking those opportunities. Doing the things. Doing the things. Um, doing them well. <laughs> yes. Or trying, trying, trying to. Trying to. At yeah. least, yeah. Um, so that, that was a good story. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about this for a long time. Sorry. It's all right. Um, we got stuff to cut out. All right. One more story here. Okay. And it's a doozy. <laughs> what a way to go out. Let me just... Oh, is it the last one? Um, Well, it's the last one for the episode. I think it's... The making of a woman. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. These these titles really give it away. It is almost the last story in here. Um, But it's the last one we're going to talk about. And yes, the title is The Making of a Woman. Hmm. And what makes a woman? Hmm. Sugar spice and everything nice? Kind of, yeah. Good. The story opens with a oddly sexualized description um, (laughs) of a woman by her own child, her own daughter. Internally screaming. Um, Freud would have a fucking field day with this one, because it gets really creepy. Oh, good, okay. good, good, good. Wait, male child? Female child. Okay. Just, hmm. just out of curiosity. Yikes. Just it, out of curiosity. It gets weird. And I'm like, again, why was this put in here? So, let me just read you the beginning of this story. All right, go for it. And then I'll paraphrase the rest of it, because it's too creepy for me to read. Um, I watched with my dad this. So they're talking about their, her parents are preparing for a date night. And so it's that moment when she's finished getting ready. Mm. She's coming down the stairs, Mm -hmm. you know, to be admired. I watched with my dad as my mother came down the stairs. First appeared the tips of her red satin high heels, followed by, (laughs) I don't know if I can read this. Oh my God. You want me to read it? By smooth, creamy legs. Word choice. Word choice. The hem of her gray, watered silk Chanel floated into view like a fog. The skirt funneled upward to a cinched waist, which began at once to reach outward again to claim a pair of proud, underwired breasts. Pressing... (laughs) Pressing against her breast. Stop laughing. I care. <laughs> her breasts are very proud. Yeah, and they're you know hyped up because they're underwired. I anyway, pressing against a red satin wrap that framed her bare shoulders and tucked in behind her elbows, she was the epitome of sixties chic. Her scent reached us, heady, delicious. Oh God. <laughs> So you see what I was talking about, the sexualized description of her own mother. Yep. um, Which is weird. I turned towards my father to see how he liked it Mm. and was riveted by a new expression on his face. He stared up at this creature, no longer his wife. That's also weird. Yeah. With, With a glowing gaze that seemed to impale her like a butterfly on a pin. What? She stopped mid step. A slightly startled smile touched because she her was lips. just fucking impaled, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised, too. Well, she murmured, how do I look? 
Okay, so first of all, this reads to me as if the person writing it thinks they write really well, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't realize that they're not good, because um, this is just not appropriate. No. It, it reads like no. a man is giving this description, yeah, which is really weird, because um, it's supposed to be like a young girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she sees this moment and this interaction between her parents, which is clearly charged with some attraction. Clearly. Right? Yeah. She tries to recreate this with her own father by dressing in the outfit and waiting for him to come home from work. You're right. Freud would have a field day with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, Yikes. All right. Hmm. Oh, boy. And her father's response to this, he's surprised mm-hmm. uh, that she's, you know, all dressed up in, in expensive clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uh, accidentally got lipstick on the skirt, which isn't great, because um, that probably ruined it. And it was expensive because it's Chanel. Um. <clears throat> But then he's like, you know, she's a kid, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. And he then whispers to her, you're growing up so fast. You know that? Someday I'm going to turn around and you'll be the toast of the town. Your old dad won't be able to fight his way through the boys, will he? Hmm. Yeah. And then he says, don't grow up too fast, you. And he tapped my flat, unremarkable nose. And for the first time, he didn't call it the Freckle Farm. And that's the end of the story. The Freckle Farm? <laughs> um, that's the end of the story. That's a little messed up. All right. It's a messed up story. It's... Okay. Okay. The description of her mother was really odd. Even more disturbing was this weird competition for attention mm-hmm. that seems to be going on. And her father's response to that, not reassuring. No. Not reassuring. No. Just talking about her future reduction to a sexual object. I I didn't... I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Also... You know, this is clearly a child who relies a lot on her father's estimation of her to form her own identity and sense of Mm self-worth. I mean, that's any child growing up with their parents. Right. And the fact that he, like, calls her nose the freckle farm. Like, really, dude? Uh, yeah, that's so messed up. That's gonna that's gonna screw up her own perception of herself yes. for a long time. Yes, I mean it clearly already has because you have this really like weird moment. Unremarkable nose, not called the freckle farm. Yeah, so that's that's a place uh, to end. That's um, that's a place to end. Reading those stories, basically. So, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this book represents what the editors believe womanhood to be. Correct. Um, 
And I was not surprised that the stories revolve around those roles of wife and mother and caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, Because that's traditional female roles. And, you know, they're coming from a Christian background. So they're usually supportive of keeping women in these roles. Um, You know? Mm Mm-hmm. My problem with this book... Well, one of my many problems... Um, where do I start? So, this kind of thing isn't really my style because of how sappy and sentimental it is. Right, yeah. Um, there were there were a couple stories that I actually enjoyed, and I was like, oh. Usually it's, like, the, the really old couples that are, like, devoted to each other, you know. That is pretty cute, After... Yeah decades and like that's adorable yeah, um you know because yeah. that's that's like what you want right that's the goal um that's the goal and there was like one story in there where like um the one old guy was like heartbroken because his wife had been moved into a nursing home and he was having to get moved into a nursing home and they um typically don't allow uh residents to like sleep with one another like mm-hmm. share a room yeah and he was just like very upset over not being able to you know be with his wife like how they have been for like decades but yeah. he was like okay fine and then like he would always like come and tuck her into bed because um, he had been her caretaker for quite some time before you know they they both moved into the nursing home right and so after he died like she was like couldn't go to sleep because you know, yeah, yeah, you know, and like that kind of stuff. I'm just like, eh, you know, just makes me tear up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like a lot of this is like very sentimental and that's just not, that's just not what I go for right. unless I'm in a particular mood and feel like crying for some reason. I don't know. Um, most of the reason that I disliked this book i mean I, I i wouldn't even say i disliked it i don't I don't feel one way or the other about it it is what it is kind of yeah. um i just couldn't identify with really almost any of it yeah because i mean it's it's published in 1996 but all of these stories are from like 1940 1930 yeah, even earlier that's literally in some cases a hundred years ago yes which like, is crazy to think about. That's a little crazy to think about. This is um, not at all applicable to how we operate nowadays. No. Well, and like, it's not even really a good representation of what modern womanhood is either. True. And so that was like the other, like, because none of, none of these roles apply to me as a woman, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not a wife and I'm not a mother, and I'm not a caregiver to anyone in any capacity, at least nope. not right now in this time of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, I don't see being a caregiver as a particularly feminine role, even though that is historically how it's been. But I don't see that. There were just there were a lot of stories in here that I was like, what does this have to do with women? Like, right. why isn't this? Just feels like it's more of a people thing to me, and. And then the rest of them, I just couldn't identify with because I don't have kids and I'm not planning on having kids and yep. I don't want kids. You know, it was just so it's just like, I don't understand this. Fair. Um, but it all it so it just didn't feel 
yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't identify with it at all. Because, like, you know, that's not what womanhood is to me. Yeah. Like, I don't think that being a woman is tied to being a mother, Mm -hmm. even. Yeah. Like, you know, so, like, who you are as a woman in no way shapes who you are as a mother, almost. Like, I don't... Um, you can be, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of like blathering on at this point, but like, yeah, to me, womanhood doesn't include any of those roles. Right. Um, and it doesn't need to include any of those roles. And so it was just kind of like interesting because I tried to think about, I was like, what, like if I was to like write a story for this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what would that look like? You know, um, what do I think is a story that's like uniquely suited for women? Mm-hmm. And other than just like stories that highlight kind of the issues that we face in regards to like equality and stuff like that, right? I couldn't really think of anything. Okay. Because for me, I guess I just don't see any role as being unique to women in general, mm-hmm. except for obviously like motherhood, because like biologically that's what we can do. Right. Um, but like everything else is just like a, a human thing. Right. To me, rather than being like a woman thing. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So other, so like other than like issues that we face with like, you know, um, sexism specifically, Mm -hmm. I was like, everything else could be applied to anyone else. Pretty much. Yeah. Except for like motherhood, you know, like the actual, like growing a child inside of you, which just sounds like a terrible time to me, but you know, (laughs) um, lots of people are into it. So like, that's, that's up to them. Um, Yeah. So it was an interesting read. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Recommend it to anyone? No, I wouldn't. Cool. I, I'm not, it, like, I don't think it deserves, like, one star or anything. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't recommend it to anyone. That's fair. Yeah. So, yeah. That was Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul. Um, a fun uh, time. Yeah, that was everything I wanted it to be, honestly. Yeah. That was, that was it. That was, that was an interesting, an interesting exploration. <laughs> uh <laughs> So if you enjoyed the episode, uh, be on the lookout for the show notes. They will be posted on our website, bigbookenergy.com. You can also check us out on social media. We have an account on Instagram. We have an account on Twitter. Both of them, uh, Big Book Energy. I think it's big underscore book underscore energy for both of those. Um, And I also announce when I'm posting the show notes on there too. So if you follow those accounts, you will always be up to date on what is going on with us. And if you would like to support our podcast uh, and help us cover things like hosting costs, you can head on over to our Patreon account and sign up for one of two tiers. We've got book nerds and book ninjas. Uh, if you sign up for the Book Ninja tier, then you do get extra bonus episodes, like our two Tolkien episodes, which, uh, if you're listening to this and you are not a ninja, you've gotten little snippets of. A much longer, much longer episode. Yeah, those episodes are long. They're long. They're long, yeah. 
Um, speaking of book ninjas. Oh yeah, we got a new ninja. We have a new ninja. So thank you, Paula, for supporting the podcast. Thank you, Paula. Yay. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So next week we will be back to books we hate. Yeah. And Paige will be reading a wonderful offering that I assigned to her. Yeah, you still didn't get me back for green, but nice try. Um, it is In the Lake of the Woods by... What the hell is this guy's name? O'Brien? Yes, Tim O'Brien? Tim O'Brien. Yeah. So yep. that's what we are serving up next week. So stay tuned. Bye. Bye. It did not take them long. We've only been recording for like 20 minutes. It's early. They're still pretty active about this time. So normally mm. it's like the afternoon when everybody's like out. <clears throat> Excuse me as I just <coughs> choke on some gummy worm juice over here. <coughs> oh no, you coughed. Coronavirus. Go home, bitch. <laughs>